If you do not have one of these cards that the ushers are handing out when you came in, would you just raise your hand so we make sure if you do not have a yellow card? I got one down here. This is like an auction. I see that hand. Yes, $2,000. What about this one? All right, I got two right here, Bob. Put your hand up if you haven't received a card yet. All right, we want to make sure everyone has a card. So if you need a card, put your hand up. There you go. And if you need a pen, they'll give you a pen as well. You need that at one point. It's a strange thing that happens in the upper room when Jesus suddenly appears. And he says to the disciples, Peace. Peace I give to you. But then the text says this in John chapter 20. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And it says he breathed on them. That's weird. Right? And I think a lot of people look on when we start talking about the Holy Spirit and they say, that's weird. I want you to hear this. This is our final message in this series called The Easter People. But the living Christ who's alive today breathed on them and they received the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is what I just want us all to get today. The living Christ is breathing on us still. The Holy Spirit. And my question to you is this. Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Have you been permeated, saturated, absorbed, sanctified, kept, held, filled? The Greek term in the Bible is pleroma. It's the idea of filling up till you overflow. Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? And if so, how does that change our world? Today is Pentecost, 50 days after resurrection, 50 days after a spiritual high, 50 days after Jesus made a promise and this very small band of followers were filled with the Spirit. And I thought about this today. Do you know the church has never, ever, ever, the true church has never, ever been in the majority in many respects. We've always functioned as this permeating, fermenting presence. And here was this little group that was filled with the Holy Spirit. Today we remember these words. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. And and we remember this. We think of the mystery of this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. But too often when we start talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit, we focus on personal power or some personal spiritual experience and we sometimes fail to connect the dots to the real world. But here's the challenge for you and me in that the Bible 
does not allow that for us. And we need to ask a question. So what is this power for? How does this connect the dots to the real world? Well, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 today, if you want to get there. We're going to look at a large chunk of Scripture. But it begins with these words, kind of where we were last week. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Say that with me. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. But what does the Spirit of God want to do? What if I told you that what God wants to do through his Holy Spirit is empower you and empower me for what we are made for? What we're actually made for. Glenn and I were in a conversation today about jobs and those kind of things. And the word vocation came up. And we're going to use that word today. But what is it that we are made for? That's what your vocation is. And, and how does that connect to the world? Well, I think the scripture today helps us. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning with verse 4, we read these words. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone it is the same God at work. Now to, each one of the mani- now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as, underline this, He determines. Verse 12, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, Red Sox fans or Yankee fans, And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. This is the word of the Lord. It's tempting when we start talking about this to get focused on and to get hung up on the spectacular gifts of the Spirit, or on the gifts as a goal, or as a gifts as a limitation where we say, well, I'm sorry, I can't serve there because that's not my gift. One of the biggest sins of the spiritual gifts movement. But look at what the gift really is. This is what we hear over and over again. This whole thing's about the same Spirit, the manifestation of the Spirit, through the Spirit, the means of the same Spirit, by the same Spirit, by that one Spirit, the work of one and the same Spirit, baptized by one Spirit, given the one Spirit. You see, this is all about the Easter people 
And it is about what they do. But it's not based on personal achievements. It's not based on some kind of elitist superiority. It's not based on human effort. It's not based on willpower. If I just pull up my bootstraps, I can get it done. But it's about the actual activating grace and power of God's very presence in his spirit. And in that, we see this reversal in our world, especially a world like ours, a reversal of focus, a decentering of our reliance on ourselves to this radical dependence on the Holy Spirit. Because let's be clear, the gifts we'll talk about are not ours. They're the gifts of the Spirit. What is it that you and I can bring to affect this in our lives? Well, the only real gifts that we have that the Spirit will use are our vulnerabilities. And our, and our weaknesses, and our brokenness. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor? Well, these are the resources the Spirit uses. God dwells more in our weaknesses and brokenness than our strengths and our assets. Paul says elsewhere that when we are weak, then we are strong. You see, the Spirit can only fill and use us in a place of dependence. We need the Holy Spirit. And if we don't find ourselves in this place of dependence, the Holy Spirit can't fill us and can't use us. Peter says it this way in 1 Peter 4, whoever serves should do so from the strength that God furnishes. That God furnishes. And then, and then do that for the glory of God. Again, it's, there's that decentering, Right? So, so whoever serves does so from the strength that God furnishes. The Holy Spirit furnishes the strength for us to serve God and his purposes. And this shifts. This is a radical shift. This is a radical shift for us in a world like ours because it shifts the purposes of life. No longer is the purpose of my life to craft out my great career and then when I'm done, I can take my career, I can retire, and I can go ahead into the world and kind of do what I want to do. That's, it's, it, there's this shift. No longer is this just simply about gauging and building my life around what my plan is. It's a big shift. We come back to that word that I mentioned earlier. It's this idea of vocation. What I am made for, my vocation, which is not your job. It's not just your job. It includes that, but it's not that. Walter Brueggemann said that all the major questions of life become questions of vocation. And then he went on to say this. Vocation means finding a purpose for being in the world that is related to the purposes of God. Hear that? That's a good word. Finding, finding the purpose for your life. Finding a purpose for being in the world. Where are you going to be in the world at 9.30 tomorrow morning? Finding a purpose for being in the world that is related, that connects to the purposes of God. Well, what this passage does for us, it gloriously declares for us that all of us can do this, that all of us are called. 
every single one of us, not to some great spiritual experience, but to some great vocation in the world. We read these words. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working. So hear it. Different kinds of service, different kinds of working, different kinds of gifts, but all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. And then he says this. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And that little statement blows up the idea of my calling and my gifting and my experience. It says this is all done for the common good. The gifts of the Spirit are not just for us to consume for our own benefits, not just to make us some kind of holy spiritual superheroes. They are actually intended to be gifts for our communities. The community of your family and your household. The community we call the church. The community of the place where you will go to express your vocation that you call your job. The community we call school, if you're a student. The community we call the public square. These gifts are for our communities. And I wonder, has there ever been a time in your lifetime or mine where we have such a need for the people who dare to claim to be the Easter people to seek the common good? And is there, is there a more radical and stranger message in a society where we're trained that our primary vocation is to be consumers, choosing how we take, use, and accumulate for ourselves? But the Spirit-filled life, what we call the sanctified life, the Spirit-filled life reverses all of that as we use the gifts, the graces, the talents, the resources God has already implanted in us to serve. Would you, would you name your child Bezalel? Would you do that? Could you imagine? Bezalel de Franza. That just does not have a ring to it. But there's a guy named Bezalel in the book of Exodus. And he is the first person mentioned in the Bible specifically to be filled with the Spirit. Look at what it says about him. I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. That's a mouthful. It'd be like, I have, chose, I have chosen Jeff, son of George, the son of Joseph, from the tribe of Portugal. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, it says. Bezalel was filled with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills. Filled with him, filled him with the Spirit to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Check it out. Bezalel is not a priest, he's not a prophet. He is not a king. He's not a politician. He's not a warrior. He's not even a pastor. 
He's a craftsman. He's an engineer. He's an artist. The Spirit of God fills him to use his skills for God's purposes, creating beauty. Isn't that the heart of what God wants for every one of our lives? Pete Grigg from the 24-7 prayer movement writes, when we read that we are made in God's image, the only thing we know about him is that God is an artist, a creator. Similarly, the first man in the Bible to be described as being filled with the Holy Spirit is a craftsman called Bezalel, anointed by God to decorate the prayer room, the tabernacle. All right, take this card now. You've all been given this card. Please, you can humor me today. Just take this card and look at it and what's on it. Get out a pen if you can. If you want to do it today, later, that's fine. But if you do it now... Be good exercise. Write your name. Why write your name? Because God knows who you are. And I love how Jesus says every one of our hairs are counted, you know, and he knows who we are. Write your name. Just your first name. You don't have to put your whole name, you know. And now I want you to think of one talent, ability, or passion that you have. Just think about it. What's one talent, one ability, or one passion that I have. Just write it. Just the first thing that comes to your mind, write that down. One talent, one ability, one passion that you have. Give you a moment. Now, and you can fill out more later, but just one. There's a prayer listed on that card, and I think we're going to have it up here. Go ahead, next slide. Pray this prayer out loud with me. This is the prayer we're praying over that talent, that ability, that passion. Here we go. God, fill me with your spirit to use what you have already equipped me with for your purposes. Let me invite you to to hold that prayer, to sit with that prayer. And then you find a question on that card that says, how am I fulfilling God's purposes in the world with what he has given to me. And then lastly, reviewing the ways you can serve God, the church, and the world. Here are some ways I will prayerfully serve. Yes, I'm asking you to name to yourself ways you're going to actually plan to serve. You're going to serve God, you're going to serve your church, you're going to serve the world because the Spirit-filled life is a life of service. The spirit-filled life is a life of giving ourselves away to the body of Christ and to the world around us. So I want to invite you to ask yourself, okay, time to get off the bench. There's no such thing as I've done my time. There's no time. There's no time to sit on the sidelines. There's no time. Phil Togwell asks these questions. How do I express my creativity? Is it at home or through the work that I do? Is it in my parenting? Is it in the way that I love and encourage others? Am I artistic in some way? Am I a problem solver, an out-of-the-box thinker? In what ways am I expressing the creativity of the Spirit God has given me? And then he says, Spirit of God, fill me and put me to work just as Bezalel. 
building the tabernacle, making this place of God's presence. Exodus 36 then says this, Then Moses summoned Bezalel and Oholiab and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability, right? And who was willing to come and do the work. Many had incredible skills and knowledge and talents and abilities. But not everyone was willing to come and do the work. But when they did, they participated in the great and beautiful purpose of God in creating a place for his presence. Human beings partnering with God to make a place for God's presence to dwell in the world. I'm reminded of an email I received earlier this week, perfectly timed. Speaking about the church and ministries, this sister wrote about the idea of people serving and coming together. Thank you, Lynn. And then talking about the places they're serving, and then she wrote this. We hear about ministries Sunday morning, but then return to our own busy lives. How do we become a part of the fabric of these ministries? Well, now fast forward with me back to first, from Exodus to 1 Corinthians 12 where we see we are all given skills and abilities by God. And it's as we surrender our lives to Christ, we surrender our wants, our plans, and ask him to fill us with his spirit, to sanctify us, to call us, to hold us, to fill us, to saturate us, those talents we excel in, abilities we have developed, skills we have honed, knowledge we have gained, creativity we possess, and wisdom we have collected are now God's raw material to make space for God's presence in the world. And here it is. If you want to know what the test is for being filled with the Spirit, it's not some sign. If you want to know what the test is for being filled with the Spirit, and an indicator of spiritual maturity, it is our obedience that increases our capacity to love God and others, and especially our enemies. That's the evidence of being filled with the Spirit. Not some great experience, though I love experiences. Not some great sign and wonder, though I want to see signs and wonders. But it's when the people who are filled with the Spirit become the people who obediently, out of love for God, begin to serve others out of their love for God. And this is what we're made for. But it is not a monolithic, homogenized For we are all baptized by one spirit, it says. But then it says, even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. It reminds me of a question that pastors are asked, and this one pastor talked about being asked this question. Do you know what the church should be doing? Now just pause, think about that. Do you know what the church should be doing? Now without answering out loud, all right, if that was you asking that question, thinking or asking that question, what are, you, what are you really asking? Pastor Jeff, 
Do you know what the church should be doing? You already have your answer. So I want you to think about your answer. Do you know what the church should be doing? As you're thinking about your answer, what you think the church should be doing, what you think Community Chapel should be doing, I want you to now answer this question. Who or what is the church? Because here's the secret. I just want to let you know on a secret. There's no person or group that just is waiting, sitting and waiting to act on your good idea. They're not just sitting there going, when is, are they going to come to us with their good idea? Mike Glenn writes, the most fundamental lesson we all learn is the church isn't a building, but it's the people. Whenever anyone says, here's what the church should do, what they're really saying, or should be saying is, here is what we should do, or here's what I should do. So what does it look like when the Holy Spirit fills and uses Easter people? Well, you know what it looks like? It looks like eight adults who volunteered for Parents' Night Out last week to give tired parents a break. And most of those families, half those families, are not involved in church. The eight volunteers served. It looks like those 18 or so volunteers who are giving their time this Saturday to support veterans with the Veterans Count Ride, partnering with another organization in our community. It looks, like, it looks like the group that's been making sandwiches for the rescue mission for decades and continues to do so. And by the way, they need help. And if you would like to be part of using your skills in making sandwiches, you let our office know. We'll connect you to Sue and others who will help with that. That's what it looks like. It looks like the church looks like people bringing food to the end 68 hours of hunger shed so school children do not go hungry. Read our newsletter. You can see how you can do that. The church looks like two single women in our church who were bringing food to the homeless population in Manchester. Why? Why? Just because they saw the need as they wrestled with it. The church looks like the family who quietly offered to fund the needs of someone in recovery. The church looks like the woman who sacrifices herself to raise a foster child, has sacrificed so much. And if you would like to consider speaking with a person about fostering a child, let us know. We'll connect you to some people. The church looks like the man and his sons who showed up and set up a tent so that others can use it for the fellowship of the people of God. The church looks like three men who studied Scripture and then said yes to the call to disciple others and what they have learned. The church looks like a couple who adopts two children, waiting years to do so in hopes of changing the narrative of the lives of those children. The church looks like a family who's willing to open their heart and home to a boy in a Bulgarian orphanage who has severe disabilities but needs a safe place to be. And if you have interest in being that family, please reach out to Pastor Mary, and she'll connect you to the person who can help you think about and pray about whether you're going to be the family that welcomes this Bulgarian boy who has such severe disabilities but needs a safe place to be. 
The church looks like someone raised in an oppressive atmosphere, but because of God's grace, it changed her narrative, and now she welcomes outsiders into her life, into the church. The church looks like adults who sacrifice time for children and youth in hopes that they will just hear Jesus loves you. And if you would like to serve our children and youth, let us know. Put it on a connection card. Love to serve children. I am filled with the Spirit. I'm prepared to hand this faith that's altered my life to another generation so that it does not walk into the world without it. The church looks like the senior adults who are organizing to visit a shut-in on their birthday. And if you, you're wanting to visit some people who are shut in, some people who need just a phone call or some kind of, let us know. We'll connect you to the people who can, you can go serve, you can love, and some of those people you'll go to serve, but at the end of the day, when you come away, you will be served. The church looks like the woman who comes early on a Sunday morning carving out space to care for children of those who are serving Sunday morning. Just doing it because the Holy Spirit told them to. The church looks like the teenager who believes that her faith calls and requires her to do something for the kingdom, and she just keeps trying to figure out ways to do that. The spirit-filled church looks like the man who is committed to prayer every week, no matter what, no matter who shows up, but he's committed to praying for the power of God upon this body. The church looks like a school teacher who weeps for her students when they struggle in hardship conditions at home because she cannot just look at them as students. She gives herself to them. The church looks like the family who makes sure another family is cared for as they grieve the loss of a loved one. The church looks like a man who befriends a displaced and lonely man simply to love him. The church looks like the manager, very skilled, who brings his skills and gifts to the workplace and as a spirit-filled believer, he cares for people that work for him as image bearers, not utilitarian automatons so that he could just get something out of them for his benefit as a boss. The church looks like the contractor whose services are offered at a fair price and refuses to gouge others. See, that's what the Holy Spirit-filled church looks like. Again, Mike Glenn says, every day our members take care of their own lives and families, but when they come to church, they're encouraged to sit down and enjoy the show. The assumption by most is church is what happens on Sunday morning in the sanctuary. But church happens every day and rarely in the sanctuary. Right? So the church also looks like the mustard seed fund that we're launching. An application form is in the process of being built. But the day we announced it a month ago, I want you to get this. A mother with two disabled children came up to me and said, I am in. If anyone has a reason not to be in, this individual has a reason. I am in, and now she is seeking to start a Bible study to support other mothers of disabled children, and we're going to help fund those resources as needed. 
It looks like the small group that is trying to figure out what it looks like to offer ESL opportunities to refugees in our city. Haven't figured it all out, but they're trying to figure it out. And if needed, the mustard seed fund will cover the cost of the material. So I ask you, what mustard seed would you be willing to plant in the world because you can't help it, because the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit have filled your life? You see, it actually looks like this spirit-filled church actually looks like people like you, like me, sitting here this morning who dare to have the vision to bring the beauty of God's shalom into a world that can be raw and ugly. And rather than rail against the world and talk about how awful things are and how this is wrong and this is a problem and the world's going to hell and all this stuff, they dare to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And they dare to be Bezalel. And my friends, <coughs> that is what we're made for. Beautifully crafted to bring what God has already given to us to the world around us to reveal Jesus through us by the power of the Holy Spirit filling us. And when the Holy Spirit fills us, we look like Bezalel bringing all that we have and are and can do and saying, it's all for your purposes, God. Our worship team is going to come at this time. With that all being true, maybe... Just maybe the gospel would be more than just words. Maybe. As the message paraphrase it, let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors to the earth. Here's another way to put it. You're here to bring light bringing out the God colors in the world. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because that is what the Easter people are made for. This is what the Easter people are made for, to be the Bezalels in our world that creates spaces for the presence of God even in a secular age. This is what you and I are made for. Be filled with the Spirit. Be sent by the Spirit. Be used by the Holy Spirit. <coughs> In a moment, we're going to sing same power. But before we do that, I just invite you for a moment to ask yourself, what is it in your life that you now need to offer to God? What is it in you, what you have, those skills and grace, those talents, those gifts you've been given, you need to offer to God? Where is it that you're, in a new way, you need to say, come fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Decenter my life and let me put your purposes in the forefront. Where is it? It's different in my life than your life, but where is it in your life? And this morning,
before you leave here today, if you want to come and just offer to God your life at a different level and say, God, here it is. This is what I have. Not what Joe has or Fern has or Kathleen has or Jeff has. This is what I have. And God, I'm asking you to fill me so that that can be offered for your purposes in the world. Would you stand with me tonight, today? And as we sing, and as we worship, I want to invite you to come and kneel. Just to say, Lord, here I am. Fill me. Send me. Use me. Where are you going to be tomorrow at 2.30? Where are you going to be where you're going to live out your vocation of fulfilling the purposes of God? Would you like to offer that to him today and be filled with the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and then to live this vocation out in the world? Let's sing together, and I invite you to come and talk to him and offer to him what he has given to you.